Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Looking good right there. Woo! It's probably one of the nicest things you could say to someone. Not necessarily. Sorry. Wow, we want to welcome you home to Encounter Church. We are so glad. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause today. You're looking great today. And what a celebration and what an opportunity that we have just to be able to celebrate with you. And don't forget the Easter pictures in the back and the Easter bunny somewhere around here too. And and we're so thankful for that. You know, the, the, the great thing about it is this. This isn't just a year event for us. This is a weekly event for us. And so each and every week we get to celebrate just like you've stepped into a regular Sunday morning service. This is what we do every week. And we would love to invite you to come back. Kelly and I are so honored that we get to pastor and lead this church. And if you're here for the very first time, welcome home. Where have you been all our lives is what we want to say. And we're so glad. to. We've got some seats on the front row if people are looking for somewhere to sit. We can sit you on the front row right here. But we are so glad to have each and every one of you today. On the screen a few moments ago was our scripture that we've been using and will use for this Easter weekend. Our scripture from Mark chapter 16 verse 1 through 7. And the story goes that when the ladies, the Marys, went to anoint the feet of Jesus, they went to anoint the body of Christ. On the way to the tomb, they suddenly realized, oh my goodness, who, who's going to move the stone from us? We, we've, we've got no ability and no way. How, how are we going to get in? But they're like, we're going to go anyway. And when they get to the tomb, the stone is being rolled away. And when they walk inside of the tomb, they see an angel. Now, now they're alarmed. I, I mean, could, could you imagine? You go in to find someone dead and you see someone alive and it's an angel. That, that's kind of shocking right there. I don't know about you, but I'd be shocked. And so look what it says in verse 6 and 7. But the angel said to them, do not be alarmed. Always makes me laugh. You know, like, why are you freaking out? I'm just an angel. I mean, for goodness sake, you've never seen one like me. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Notice this. Check, check. This is the tomb of Jesus, the one who was crucified. In other words, you're in the right place. But he is risen. He ain't here. Come on now. See, there's the place he pointed. There's the place where he lay. And one gospel says his grave clothes were neatly folded and it was all nicely left. But notice what it says in verse seven, but go and tell his disciples and Peter and Peter. That may not mean much to you, but let me explain. Peter had just betrayed Jesus three times. When someone came to him and said, you were with one of him, you talk like him, not what me, oh, not comprende, no, no, what you're talking about. Come on, me, no, not me. He had betrayed Jesus. Think how big he was feeling at this time. He was feeling so small. 
He didn't want to see Jesus because of the shame and the guilt of his life. But notice what Jesus, the instruction he gave. Go and round up the disciples and Peter. And Peter, I'm so glad today that no matter how bad you may think you've betrayed God and how far you've wandered away, Jesus is saying to you today, come on, I'll go and take care of the disciples, but I'm remembering Eric today. Come on, I'm remembering Josh today. I'm remembering Stephanie. Go and tell Stephanie and Sheila and Ruth today. And it goes on to say, go tell the disciples and Peter. That he, Jesus, is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said, as he promised. The words I want to bring out of this verse today is this. He is going before you. Jesus is going before you. Now I know what it meant for the disciples that day. Because Jesus told them, go to Galilee. Because I'm going to appear before you. And Jesus did. They were in a room. It was locked up out of fear. And Jesus appeared in the middle of the room. He didn't come through the door, the windows. He just appeared in the middle of the room. What? Bible's pretty cool. You should read it sometimes. But Jesus appears and he shows him his nail-scarred hands and his feet. And Thomas is there and he doesn't believe unless he sees. And Jesus appears to them. So we know that he appeared to them. He went before them to Galilee. But I really believe, as I was studying this and looking at this for this weekend, these words just jumped out of the page at me because I believe they are more than just for them all those years ago. I believe those words are personally for you and I today. That Jesus is... Going before you. Well, what does that mean? What situation are you in right now? What hurt and pain are you maybe facing? Discouragement, anger, frustration. We've all got a current situation that we're in. But to me, there's great peace to know that I'm not stepping into the unknown by God. Because he has gone before you and he is there waiting for you. You think that all the hurt's the end. No, Jesus has gone beyond the hurt. Because what you need to see is you see the hurt right now, but Jesus is the healing that's ahead of you. You you see the pain, you see the suffering, you see the sickness. Come on, but Jesus is that peace that's gone before you. Maybe your dreams have been crushed. Maybe you're devastated. Maybe you're feeling a failure. I'm so glad that hope went ahead of you. That you can find hope in your circumstances. It may be unknown to you, but it's not unknown to God. And God has gone ahead of you for what? To create an opportunity. There's a choice, an opportunity that every one of us has. Because I'm telling you, everything changed when hope came back to life. When Jesus came back to life, everything changes and everything for your life today can change. And that's what I want to talk about today. That hope, Jesus, and how Jesus can bring life to your life. Do you believe this? God's got more for you. Do you believe that today? Come on, do you believe that God has got more for your life? Because we believe that. Here's how much we believe God's got more for your life. We changed the name of our church. The name of our church was Heart Seas Family Life Church. Great name. But we changed it to Encounter Church. For what reason? We want our name to be what we're expecting to happen. We don't want people to come and have another service. We've had enough of those. 
We want people to come and have an experience. That they would have an encounter with Jesus. That they would step in and realize there's more for my life. That God has more. And that's why we call our church. And so our vision statement is this. Life, love and purpose. Why? Because we believe life starts when you know Jesus. You don't have life outside of Jesus because Jesus is the giver of life. He is life. And then love happens. Why does love happen? Because you discover the love of God and through His love you now be love, bring love, give love to other people around. And then your purpose is revealed. We look at that twofold and here it is. Purpose revealed. You discover your purpose, what God has for you, the reason that you're here. And then you take that purpose and you serve other people and you make a difference. Because that's so important for our lives. And that's what church is supposed to be. You know, for many of us, we think church is just a Sunday spanking. Just going to go to church and pastor's just going to beat us up again. Bam, 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 bam. I joked about this Friday. I'm a PK. Anyone know what a PK is? That means a perfect kid, by the way. Preacher's kid. I'm a preacher's kid. Preacher's kid. So thankful for my parents. My dad was on the platform leading worship. My mum was running the overhead projector. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Think about that. Think you're, think you're bad. That's bad right there. So here we are on the front. And it's amazing to me. I joke that I love church so much because church, usually, we had Sunday morning and Sunday night church. And we only have like appetizer church now. We used to have church for three and four hours at a time. And it went, that's how church was, morning and night. And so I love church, but it was amazing because church used to look like this almost every Sunday. A threat going in the door. A spanking usually during service. Definitely one after service. And then just on the way to church that night, just give me another one just for the sake of it. No, I'm only playing, I'm only playing. But it's always amazing. I made the mistake once. I thought, man, I'm going to cry before I get out of the church. And that will soften the blow. What a mistake that was. I I cried before I left. And so what happened is everyone in the church turned and looked. And my mom said, boy, you ever do that again? Because my mom would clear her throat. This is what she would do. And when you heard that throat clear, you knew this. Boy, I'm watching you. I brought you into this world. And I can... Yeah, I'll take you out of this world. But that's what many of us almost think church is, that we're just coming to get spanked again. We're just, God's just, oh, you're bad people, you're bad people. Here's what you've got to understand. Are you ready? God didn't come to make bad people good. Look at this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Yeah, yeah. He came to make the death of our lives become a living environment. God wants us to live. Look what John eleven twenty five 25 said. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me is going to live. Oh, there's a natural death that's still going to come. But there's what? A spiritual, eternal life that you can have. And I want to show you that life. Look at Romans 8, verse 11. It says, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in you. This isn't just a holiday event, Easter. 
it speaks of power for your life. Because the Bible says the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that brought him back from death, is the same power that you now have available for every one of you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give, say with me, life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit that wants to live inside of you. What is your mortal bodies? That's your marriage, your family, your finances, your health, your mind. God wants to give life back to your mortal bodies that you would live and not die. And so what do we know? This is the power that you and I need to help bridge the gap between the life that you are living And the one that you could have. If I was to ask most of you today, how's your life? You enjoying it? Most of you would say no. But there's a life that you can enjoy in God. There's a power that you can have in God. And it goes beyond what we have because it's what he has prepared. But how do we get there? It's his power that we need to bridge that gap to make it possible. But how? Look what Paul writes. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8 and 9, it says, It was so bad that we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. In other words, no hope. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. What? Come on, stay with me today. It's the best thing, being at the lowest place of despair. It's the best thing that could ever happen. Yes, because instead of trusting in our own strength, in our own wits to get us out of it, we were forced to trust in God totally. And that was not a bad idea. Why? Because He is the God who raises the dead. Come on, you can trust in yourself today. You can try and do it on your own today, but you're going to come to the end of you. But you'll never come to the end of God. Because He's the one that raises death and brings it back to life. He's the hope for your life. He's the life that you need. Look at this from another scripture about Abraham. Abraham was known as the father of faith. Romans 4, 17 says this. That is what the scripture mean when God told him, Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. What made God call Abraham that? You've got to understand. Why would God call Abraham a father of many nations? Was it because he went to church? Was it because he was good? Was it because he paid his tithes? All those things are important and good to do. But the reason we read of is this. You ready? It happened Because Abraham believed. He believed in God who, here it is again, who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So so what have I got to do to have this life? What have I got to do to have this hope? I'm glad you asked because here it is. It's so simple. Believe. Believe. Yes, so simple, but unfortunately for so many, becomes so hard. Because man tells us we've got to do this and this. Jesus says, no, you just got to believe. You just got to open up your heart and believe. And I want to try and help you to believe today in the hope 
that we have in Jesus. The life that goes before us because he is ahead of you. Come on, cheering you on welcoming you into your future, uh, believing for you. And we're going to look at the story in John chapter 11 of someone that Jesus actually raised from the dead. Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And trust me, you think you've got problems. I don't think any of us has got as many problems as what Lazarus had that day. Because death is the end. You know what I'm saying? That's the ultimate problem to have. But so, And I'm not belittling your problems, but I want to show you the awesome God that we have today. So John 11, verse 1 through 3, he says this, Now a certain man was sick. His name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Please note that John goes into great depth to explain the fact that these are people that Jesus knew. And not only people that Jesus knew, but Jesus loved. They loved him. They were in relationship. Mary was the one that went through the crowd and she broke a costly perfume at the feet of Jesus. She didn't look for a towel, but she dried and wiped his feet with the very hair of her head. What an act of love. But there's something that we need to see and note how John writes in reference to their request. Come and heal Lazarus. But notice, not the one who loves you, but the one you love. The one whom you love. That's not written by a mistake. Because you need to hear this today. And here's what you need to hear. What we do or don't do isn't the motivation to cause him to love you. Oh, well, Jesus is just loving you because you go to church and you're a lovable person. No, it doesn't say about my love. It's talking about his love towards me. And that's so important to know because God doesn't love me based on the love I have for him. It's all on the love that he has For me, so if you're taking notes today, here's the first point of the message. He loved you first. I'm so glad about that, that he loved you first. He went before to become that love, that you could find that love. Look at it, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. The reason I can love is because of his love that comes to my life. And love isn't just what he does, love is who he is. God is love. But that can be hard to understand at times. It can be hard to understand why would God love someone like me. It's easy for you, but not me. I want you to know today, whether you understand that or not, doesn't make that truth. It's truth all on its own. So if I don't understand that, it's still truth. It just means I haven't chosen to accept his love, but his love is still love. And so we've got to believe in that and trust in that. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, while we were messed up, screwed up, the kind of person that thank God for caller ID for. Anyone know what I'm talking about? 
That's the type of person Jesus died for. He didn't wait for you to get right. He didn't wait for you to say, clean up your mouth. He didn't wait for you to say, man, can you just change your attitude? He said, hey, I'm going to love you in your messed up, screwed up place. And through my love, you can find freedom and you can believe in me. First, 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 let's continue the story. John 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Don't worry, in other words, God is saying, God's not finished yet. It's going to be for my glory. But they didn't realize that Jesus was about to do something bigger than what they were asking. That's the problem. Jesus is doing something bigger. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Here it is again. John just said it in verse 1, but now he's saying it. He's reiterating the fact. Oh, these are the ones that Jesus loved. He loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And again, here's why I believe he wants to make this perfectly clear that he loves you first. Because what's coming next sounds like Jesus doesn't love you. And that Jesus doesn't care for you. Because read on, what does it say? Huh? When they heard he was sick, when Jesus heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. That doesn't sound very loving to me. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that Jesus wasn't really being very caring and loving towards you? Has your emotions ever screened that? Has your mind? Has other people? Oh, isn't it amazing how many people look at you and say, oh, you think Jesus loves you? Look, there you go. He don't care a thing about you. It's amazing how people will come to try and take that from you, to make you believe that God doesn't care about you. I mean, how could he? Why would he? Look at you. But when Jesus heard, he stayed two more days. Where was Jesus? Jesus was actually in Jerusalem. Lazarus was in Bethany, two miles, two miles away, about a 30 minute walk away. So here's the second point of our message today. Delays are not denials. Delays are not denials. It can feel like that sometimes and it can be. And there's a three letter word that's spelt like this. Are you ready? W-H-Y. That's a massive word. Three little letters, but a massive. What a problem that causes because we begin to question and say, hold on a second. Things aren't happening how I think they should. I think Jesus should be doing this. I think circumstances. Why, 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 why? And those three letters can have a massive impact on our lives and future and ultimately cause us to question God. And that was the fall of man in the garden, wasn't it? Because the serpent came and said, did God really say? He caused man to question God and through his question, he disobeyed God. He allowed sin to come. But we have got to understand this today. God has a bigger picture beyond what you see and know right now. Because when it's beyond what we see right now, we get agitated, we get irritated, we get angry, we get mad. But we've got to realize that God is still working and developing something which is bigger than the need that we just asked for. 
Oh, we like the result. We like to get there. But God is more purposed on how we arrive. It's the process that's important because God is doing something. God wants to do more in you than you even could ask today. Because that's how God rolls. Did you know that? That's, that's how God is. Oh, we don't like it because we, we need to have it this way. But we've got to continue to believe Him and trust Him. I came to this conclusion many years ago that there were certain things that I just didn't understand. Just over a year ago, or just before Christmas actually, we did a funeral in here for a 17-year-old young man. I don't understand certain things like that. When people come and say, well, why did this happen and why? I have to look at them and say, that's one of the questions I guess we'll have to line up and ask God for when we get to heaven. But I've made a decision in my life for the things I don't understand. They're not going to discredit the things that I do know. And what I do know is this, God is love. What I do know is God is for me. He's not against me. What I do know is God is peace. He's future. He's hope. So I'm going to place my faith in what I do know and not allow the delays and the things not falling perfectly into place to make me doubt the God who goes before me. Jump to verse 11. You okay today? You okay? Cool. These things he said, and after he said them, he said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Jesus is saying to them, he's not dead, he's asleep. Why? Because Jesus sees things different to what we do. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he is asleep, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about him taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said plainly to them, he did. Okay, Jesus, time out. You just said he wasn't dead. He was asleep. Then we said, well, if he's asleep, he's going to wake. And then you say, no, he's not asleep. He's really dead. Jesus, hold on a second. Is he asleep? Is he dead? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, both. Both. Yeah. Hold that thought. You see, we've got to be so careful that we don't reason with God based on our thinking or our why. The Bible says his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above ours. So when I try to reason out, because I can only see the need right now, but God's gone before me, remember? He sees the end from the beginning. We see the beginning to the end. God sees the other way because he's gone before me. So when I try to reason it out myself, I fail to understand because I don't see the bigger picture many times. But I'm glad because that makes him God and not me. And you better be glad about that. He's God and not me. That's all I'm saying. But you've got to remember, he's going before you. Hope came to life. Look at the next verse, verse 15. And Jesus said, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Sounds kind of unkind, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm glad he died. But here's the reason why. Because he's gone before you. That you may believe. Say with me, believe. believe. Nevertheless, we're going to go to him. Here's the third point of the message. It's his plan and not ours. <laughs> what do we do when things don't go as planned? We get mad. We get hurt. 
we get disappointed. We take our ball and go home. We give up. But if everything worked according to our plan every time, that would mean this. You've got this and you don't need God. If you didn't have to have faith to believe for something, then you would already have that and be able to do that. But we need faith to believe in those things because we need the God of faith. Here's what I believe. Are you ready? Circumstances of our life often come to remind us of how much we really need him. That we can cling to him. I don't know how many times Kelly and I have said in struggles and situations and looking at people. Man, I don't know what people do without Jesus. I'm so glad that in those circumstances I can grab a hold of him. And he can help me. And he can be there with us. Just over two weeks ago, Kelly and I had a chance to get away for a few days to the beach. And we just needed the vacation. We went to Panama City. And it was a beautiful time. And. Every morning I would go out and walk along the beach. And this particular morning I was walking along the beach. And when I turned around, here's the picture that I saw behind me. And it was amazing. I had to take my phone out and take a picture. And it was amazing when I got back to the hotel or to the condo. You can't see your phones too much in the bright sun. And and when I got back, I was like, man, it looks like I'm the only one on the beach. I'm telling you, there were hundreds of people on the beach at that time. But there's not one person that I can see in that picture. And I looked back at those footprints and all of a sudden, just one set of footprints, the Lord just brought back to me, remember the footprints in the sand. Have you ever heard that? The trials and struggles that we go through in life and we see two sets of footprints, but then at certain times there's only one. And I've just got to be honest with you, this particular moment while I was praying, I was kind of a little bit frustrated. I was praying because Kelly and I have gone through a lot of heartache and a lot of pain with family situations and and just circumstances against us. And and, and I was just having that moment. Have you ever had those moments with Jesus? I was kind of feeling a little bit sorry for myself and saying, God, come on, I've given my life to you. I'm serving you and I'm giving everything. And I said, God, why is this struggle? Why is this pain? Come on, I'm the only one I know that gets like that. And then I looked back and I saw one set of footprints. And I was reminded again, one set of footprints is not because of his absence. But it was reminding me of the truth and the belief that I need to place in him. Because when I don't think I can go any further, he puts me on his back and he carries me through. And he says, I got this. I got you. Why? Because I'm going before you. Come on, through the pain, through the hurt, through the suffering, through the questions, through the whys, through the obstacles, through the adversities. God's got you. God's got you. God's got you. Why? Because God never wastes a pain. We do. But God has a purpose for every pain that you will face in life. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things... In the Greek, that word all means all. (laughs) And we know that all things, the good and the bad, God can take them and work them together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. Those who say, God, I purpose with my life to believe in you. I don't understand it, but I'm going to keep stepping. Why? Because you're ahead of me and you've gone before me and you're working everything together for good. Yeah, yeah. David's one of my favorite people in the Bible. 
And you can ask David about this because he didn't always understand. David saw his brothers go off to war. He wanted to be there. His dad said, I've got a job for you. Go to the wilderness, a bunch of stinking sheep. He didn't like it. But then he's anointed king. Oh man, I'm packing my bags for the palace. No, you're back with the sheep. He's back with the sheep in the wilderness. It wasn't his plan, but God was going before him. Because God knew that there was a giant that he would face in his future. So God said, you need to be prepared for that. And how I'm going to prepare you. A lion came out one day and David grabbed it with his bare hands and he killed it. A bear came out and he grabbed it. God was preparing him when he was not happy about it. It wasn't his plan. But God knew what was ahead of him. Why? Because God was there. God's not playing catch-up. We're the ones that's playing catch-up to God. Now, I didn't say it was easy for David. I didn't say it was easy for Kelly and I. Especially when in the natural, he's dead. It's dead. But it's not the end of the story yet. But it can be unless we believe. I've got to get on quickly. You're helping me preach too much. I'm getting excited today. I may take my jacket off in a minute and you'll really be in trouble. I'm trying to behave myself for Easter. Is that cool? Best behavior, best behavior. I'm glad so that you may believe. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, Thomas Didymus, he's double the trouble, doubting Thomas. He said to those around, the fellow disciples, he said, let us also go that we may die with him. Sounds like Eeyore. (laughs) We're going to go and die. Here's the next point of the message. You've got to watch your friends. And this is key for so many reasons, because those type of friends are not good for you. And you need to get away from them. They don't belong in your future. They doubt your future. They doubt God. They say it's not going to happen. You've got to watch the people that you're around. Why? Because you show me your friends and I'm going to show you your future. And you think you can be the exception to that. But I'm telling you, you're not bigger than that. You may make it work for a while, but it's not going to be sustainable because the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. And then I like to add this, but lead will take you to the bottom. Here's my scripture I remind my kids of often. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I could preach on that, but I've got to move on. Come back another week and we'll talk about friendships. John 11.17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Say with me, four days. That's significant information there because Jewish custom believed and taught that the spirit of someone's body would hover around their body for three days. And so they could come back to life or the spirits would be close. But on the fourth day, they would leave. So really what Jesus was saying and making sure that they knew that he was really dead. He was really dead. They they weren't going to say, oh, yeah, but no, he's really dead. It's four days. He's really dead. Verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. 
It's pretty much a role reversal here because this is the Mary who loved Jesus so much that she broke costly perfume and she wiped his feet with her hair. The love that she did, but now she's not the one that's coming. Martha was the one who was always busy and and distracted. Mary was the one that sat at the feet of Jesus and worshipped. But there's a role reversal that's taken place. Why? Because she's been hurt by this. Because she sees this as a rejection. She's saying in herself, I don't deserve this. After everything I've done for Jesus, this is how he's going to treat me. So here's the next point. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Are you allowing your disappointments to separate you from the hope that you can have in Jesus? Verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here four days ago, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha said, oh, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Someday, look at me today. I'm about to end this message. But you need to catch this today. Verse 25. But Jesus said to her, not someday. Not in the last day. But today. But today. But it can happen today. How? Here's the next line. Is the whole story of Easter summed up in one line. When hope came to life, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I'm the one who can bring death back to life. And he who believes in me. Notice he doesn't say he has it all together and figured out and been in church for 10 years. And He who believes in me, though he may die, one day we will physically, but yet spiritually we shall live. So here's the last point of the message today. You ready? Resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's not an annual holiday. It's not Easter. It's Jesus. Because he is the resurrection. Jesus said to her, you are looking at the resurrection and the life. It's me. Just believe. And things can happen and take place beyond our wildest dreams. If we can just believe and we can just trust. And we can just thank Jesus today. It's not about doing more, reading more, praying more, going to church more, being a better you. All those things are important. But it's about believing. It's about giving your life to Christ right where you're at. And for some of you, listen to me, it's about believing again. Again. Because some of you once believed. But through hurt and pain and circumstances and situations, maybe you haven't placed your trust in Him any longer. Maybe through hurt and being let down in church. Church can hurt a lot of people. Because none of us are perfect. If you want a perfect church, you better not go. Because the moment you step in the doors, it ceases from being perfect. This church ain't perfect because I'm here. I'll take the blame for it. Because none of us are perfect. But what does he ask us to do? Believe. Believe again. One last verse, the band, you can come back. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. I believe you are the one who goes before me. I believe you're the one that can raise dead back to life. 
Um, you're the one I believe that can give future and hope. You're the one that can bring more to my life than what I have right now. Why? Because he's going before you. Would you trust him? Would you believe in one last scripture? And then I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Look at the screen. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, just a simple saying, Jesus, I need you. And then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. I said, that's what we're celebrating today, life. I've just got to confess the fact that I believe in the resurrection of Christ. And the Bible says you will be saved. That's it. That's it. That's it. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? Thank you, Jesus. He didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And what's the gap? How do we get from death to life? Believe. Believe. Oh, but pastor, you don't know me. We've already talked about you. But remember, it's not about you. It's about him. And it's about placing your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I wonder today if there's anyone here that would say, Pastor, I want to believe in God. I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe I need to believe again. I need to rededicate my life because I'm not where I need to be. But I know today that, God, you came to raise dead people back to life. And, God, you've gone before me. God, you know my future and plans. And I want to put my hands, my, my life in your hands. And in your future, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand all over this place? Is there anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, there's hands. Thank you. There's hands going up everywhere. Come on. If that's you, come on, just lift that hand up. Is there anyone else? After you've lifted your hand, you can put it down. Is there anyone else in here that would say, Pastor, pray for me? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, hands are going up everywhere. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, Jesus is moving in this place. The dead have been raised to life. The dead have been raised to life. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Wow. Can we all stand together?